I'm speaking today on the introducer general. Very interesting topic, the introducer general. The introducer general. Our closing text last Sunday from the message, How the Holy Spirit Helps Us, was Luke chapter 4, verse 18. That was our closing text last week, Luke 4, 18. And it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. May the Lord bless his word. That is the ministry of Jesus. And the Spirit of the Lord has anointed each of us to extend the ministry of Christ to all. The poor, the brokenhearted, the captives, the blind, the oppressed. And our charge is very simple, to bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. How do we do that? Today, we want to observe from the scriptures a very interesting individual and look at how he expressed the ministry of Jesus Christ. So, Andrew was one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, born in the village of Bethsaida on the Sea of Galilee during the first century. And like his brother, Simon, the one we often call Peter, Andrew was a fisherman. So Andrew, or Andreas in Greek, means strong and manly. It also means a man, and that is the meaning of his name. If he was a chi or a can, we would call him Berima. The female of Andrew is Andrea. Is that correct? So how do you say it in Ghana? Or in Chi? Is it Droa? <laughs> Androa. So the, the Chi name of, of, of Andrew would have been Berima, but the females, I don't know. So for someone with a name like Andrew, that means strength. A name that connotes Berima. Maybe in Ghana they'll say Hewale. One would expect that he would manifest that name by lifting weights once in a while, fighting people to establish his strength. But there was something very unique about Andrew. If you look at his physique, I'm sure that he was a traditional Jewish fisherman. And looking at the technology available at the time, I'm sure he was very strong because there were no outboard motors. So he would pull the net, very muscular. But Andrew's strength was not manifested in his physical output. Anytime Andrew was mentioned in the Bible, 
he was introducing someone to Jesus. So just like the auditor general is the chief auditor of the country, and the accountant general is the chief accountant of the country, Andrew was the introducer general of Jesus. Every time he was introducing somebody. So if we were looking at Andrew's CV, your CV captures your accomplishments. The first one was he introduced his brother Simon to Jesus. In John chapter 1 verse 41 and 42, Bible says the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him we have found the Messiah which is translated the Christ and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said you are Simon son of John. You will be called Cephas or Peter which is translated a stone. Amen. The next time we see Andrew, he introduced the boy with the five loaves of bread and two fishes to Jesus. In John chapter 6, verse 8 and 9, Bible says, when Jesus was asking, how do we feed 5,000 people, one of his disciples Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? It was Andrew who introduced the small boy. The next time we see Andrew, he introduced the whole Greek community to Christ. In John chapter 12, verse 20 to 22, Bible says, now there were certain Greeks among those who came to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, Andrew's hometown, and asked him, say, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told the introducer general, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. May the Lord bless his word. I choose to call Andrew the introducer general because he demonstrated three different ways in which we can bring people to the Lord Jesus Christ. In the first instance, he brought an individual to salvation. He brought his brother Simon to salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. The second instance, bringing the small boy was bringing a potential supporter, financier, or somebody who will push forward the work of the kingdom. The small boy's five loaves and two fish sounded insignificant, but he ended up feeding 5,000 with 12 baskets as surplus. In the third instance, if you will understand the Greeks at the time of Jesus, they were considered outsiders, Gentiles, not welcome in the house of the Lord. But they wanted to see Jesus and Andrew became the conduit, the, the platform, the connection between a whole unreached community and Jesus. 
So in the third dimension of Andrew's ministry was bringing a whole unreached people to Jesus. So there's nothing more important in our lives than introducing people to our Lord. And nothing is more rewarding or fulfilling than that. It was Christ himself who introduced Andrew to this ministry of introducing people to him. It was Christ who sent him to do that. And we see that in Matthew 4, 18 and 19. So here was Andrew going about his regular business as a fisherman. And verse 18 says, And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Like Andrew, when we follow the Lord Jesus Christ, he makes us fishers of men. You say, how do we fish men? How do we do it? What shall we say? What shall we do? Acts chapter 2 verse 15 gives us a very interesting answer. Acts 2.15 says, For you will be his witnesses to all men of what you have seen and heard. Tell somebody what you have seen and what you have heard. How many have seen the hand of God in your life? Let me see by hand. God has done something for you. You have seen God do something for you. How many of you have heard God say something to you at any time, either through his word, through the personal witness, personal experience? So if you have seen and heard something, there is something to say. In case you are wondering, Pastor, what do I say? You say what you have seen and you say what you have heard. So Andrew is a reminder that you don't have to be an evangelist or a missionary like my brother here to be able to preach the gospel. You don't have to be a pastor an apostle or an international evangelist to be able to share Christ with someone. Andrew is a reminder that each one of us has something that we can say that will be a blessing to someone. Looking through the scriptures, Andrew never preached a mass gathering. We never see any record of a big crowd and Andrew preaching. But guess what? He led Peter to Christ and Peter preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ. If Andrew had not brought Peter to Jesus, there would have been no Pentecost crusade. Think about it. There would have been no 3,000 people saved for us to talk about if Andrew had not held the hand of Peter and brought him to Christ. So in this year of gathering, what can we learn from the life of someone who always thought about how do I bring this person that I know closer to Jesus? Let's look at 
four things we can learn from Andrew. Number one was the Andrew mandate. And the Andrew mandate is the mandate of you and I. Andrew's mandate is expressed in verse 41 of John chapter 1 that we read. It says, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon. Somebody say the first thing. One more time, the first thing. The first word I would like to highlight is the word first. Because every word in that verse means something. Whenever somebody says first, it connotes the foremost priority. The first thing is always the first. It's the foremost. What that means is that it is possible that Andrew led, he did many things in his work with Christ. He may have done many accomplishments. He may have done several things. But what the Bible calls the first thing is significant. Immediately he found Christ, Andrew decided that somebody else too must find him. The first thing we must think about when we come to Christ is how can my life benefit someone? How long has it been since you found Christ? How long has it been since you found salvation in Christ? And if I may ask, how many people have experienced a better life? The salvation that you talk about as a result of your salvation. When we come to Christ, the desire to reach out is already in us. But we must express it. We must make it our number one priority that someone else will find Christ. It is not just a good thing. It is not just a nice idea. It is not just another thing. It is the main thing. Tell somebody the main thing. It's the main thing. Someone must find, if you find a treasure, somebody you love must also find it. And it's God's non-negotiable instruction that the salvation that you have, first thing is, give it to somebody as a gift. Bring somebody else to that experience. The second word I find is the word find. The first is the word first. The second I find is the word find. Find. We must find the lost. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Peter. We don't get to know how far away Peter was. Maybe Peter was at Okwegono or Community 25. Maybe he had to travel to find him. Or maybe he was next door. But the most important thing is that Andrew went and found his brother. Luke 19.10 tells us that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save 
that which is lost. First, to seek and then to save. If you want to help somebody, you must go and look for them. If you love someone and you want to reach out to them with the love of Christ, you can't sit down and say, oh, it won't be bad if this my friend came to church. That is not enough. The Bible says he went to find him. We live in a world that is encroaching very strongly on the foundations of our faith. Left to science, media, and human wisdom, they will say there is no God and we have no faith. It is called encroachment. When you buy a parcel of land and you, 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 you wall the land or set your pillars around the land, and this is very familiar to many of you, and any time you go to the plot, some people who are faceless have taken off one of the pillars and are trying to build or, 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 or steal a part of your land. You call them encroaches. So several forces are encroaching on the foundations of our faith. But it is imperative that we take a stand for Christ and find those who are lost and bring them to the Lord. That loved one of yours is a powerful person, holds a first, second, or third degree, but they need Jesus. They need Jesus. With all their accomplishments, in the quiet of the night, something is missing in their lives. And in the quiet moments where there is no one, there is a yearning in their hearts for help, for direction. And you have the answer because Jesus is the answer for the world. Finding people means going out of your way. Locate them on social media, go to their homes, touch base with them, reach out to them. Don't shut your doors to them, reach out to them. In Luke 15, verse 4 to 5, Bible says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which was lost until he finds it? It's not just about those who are in the house of God who have left. If somebody leaves the house of God, you must go out, leave all the 99 of us here, and go out and find that one and bring them back. And until you find them, you must have no peace, no rest. You can't be passive about somebody who is lost. You can't ignore somebody who is out of fellowship and say, well, that's up to them. No, it's not up to them. It's up to you. Bring them back. Tell somebody, bring them back. In the same way, if somebody has not had the experience, thank God for the, the thousand or nine hundred and ninety-nine. But go after that last one. That additional person, that one person out there who doesn't know the Lord, bring them to the Lord. And the Bible says, and when he has found that one sheep, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. When somebody comes to the Lord, you must rejoice. 
when you bring somebody to the house of God, you must be excited. Carrying it upon your shoulders speaks about governance, about authority, about priority. It is important. It is valuable. And they cannot find salvation anywhere but in Jesus. In Acts 4 verse 12, Bible says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Andrew found his brother who was lost. He found him. Wherever that loved one is, determined to find them. Tell somebody I'll find them. Or tell the person with a smile, tell the person I'll find them. There is somebody whose life depends on you. There is somebody whose future depends on you. Your proactiveness, your commitment, your determination to reach out to somebody could change the person's life forever. Think about the fact that you hold the key to someone's life and someone's future. The third word I see is the word his brother. Brother. It reminds us that we must start with our loved ones. If you want to reach out to somebody, bring them to the house of the Lord, the first and the most obvious is your loved ones, the ones you care about. If you believe in the salvation that you have and you have a loved one who hasn't had that opportunity, that person must be your first point of call. Unless you don't love them, unless you don't care about them. If you care about somebody, when you find something precious, you introduce it to them. I'm sure that Andrew won many souls to Christ throughout his life as a disciple. I'm sure that he was one of the 70 Jesus Christ sent two by two in Luke chapter 10 who came back saying they won several souls and Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I'm sure he won many souls. But the one that the Bible prioritizes is the very first person that he won, his own brother. What does it mean? It means look around you. If there is a loved one that you love and care about and that person is not in the house of God, go looking for them. Tell somebody, look for them. Acts 16.31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Everyone in your home must find the experience that you have. You must care enough to share because caring is sharing. The proof of your caring for someone is sharing the most valuable things in your life with them. How can you tell somebody you care about them when you don't pray for them? How can you tell somebody you care about them when you don't ever bother to invite them to the house of the Lord. If you have found something precious, share it with someone and you'll be a great blessing to them. It takes perseverance, it takes patience, it takes commitment, but ultimately, it's a blessing. Amen.
The second thing we see is Andrew's message. And that's the part I love the most. Andrew's message. What did Andrew say to Peter when he found him? Verse 41 says, we have found the Messiah. That's all. We have found the Messiah that is the Christ. Andrew did not preach a big theological message. What you have seen and what you have heard. Three things I would like to say about Andrew's message. Number one, it was a spoken testimony. Why am I saying that? Because the very first witness of Christ is our lives. Our lives are the, the open book that speaks about Jesus. So as Christians, the very first witness is our lives, our character, our work, the things that we do. People look at us and they see Jesus or they must see Jesus. We aspire to be ambassadors of Christ. But beyond our lives, we must also say it. It's like somebody telling somebody I, I, in your head that I love you. If you had not told your wife that you love her, how would she know? So you love her, it shows in your actions, but you must still see it. Ola, you must see it. All the men, you must see it. All the men, I said you must see it. If your wife is sitting next to you, please turn to her and smile. Uh-huh. You see, when you smile, she knows that you love her. But guess what? Please add it. Tell her I love you. Uh-huh. Say it. It, it is beautiful. There's a, a song, a secular song some time ago that says, if you say you love somebody, you've got to let them know about it. So if you love somebody, you must tell them. You can't say I love you in my heart. Believe me. You must tell it. So in the same way, your testimony must also be spoken. And the typical example is Luke chapter 8. There was this madman of the Gadarenes, very dangerous man. He would cut himself with stones and nobody could come near him. And one day Jesus came and spoke to the man and the legion of demons left the man and ran into the pigs and ran into the sea. Everybody saw it. That was enough testimony. It is evident in your eyes. It would have been enough for Christ to say, what you have seen, that's it. But in verse 39, when the man tried to follow Jesus, Jesus said, return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. Tell somebody, tell. The big word is tell. Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus Christ had done. Jesus said, just tell them. The man said, no, this thing is great. I can't just tell it. Proclaim is shout. Proclaim is tell loudly. Proclaim in the whole city. It's almost like you say, 
oh, please tell your wife that you love her. He said, no, telling her is not enough. Please give me joy FM. <laughs> please add peace FM. And he's shouting on the radio. I'm giving you an idea about the, the way appreciation can push you. He says, no, you are telling me to tell. You don't understand. What God has done for me is not a tell matter. It's a proclaim matter. If you know what God has done for you, you don't need encouragement to tell somebody about it. The reason why you don't tell anyone is that you genuinely believe that God has done nothing for you. If you like, let's test the theory. After this service, let's, let me say, shall we pray? And say, let us thank God for what he has done for us. Then if I say, let us take authority over the forces of darkness in the name of Jesus. Why? We pray with more vim when we are asking. But when God has done something for us, we feel it is his job to bless us. So let's whisper something. May God forgive us. If there is somebody here and you think God has done something for you, and done something for your family, and done something for your business, and preserved your life from destruction, you have classmates who have died, but you are still alive, and every day you see the miracle hand of God at work in your life, please put your hands together and don't wait for my encouragement. If there is something to thank God about, celebrate the goodness of the Lord. Come on. Oh, God is good. Thank you. Please be seated. The songwriter says, if it had not been for the Lord on my side. You know that, listen, if you look at your life, when you were in school, there were people more brilliant than you. You were not even second in class, maybe. But somehow, God has lifted you way above them. And you look back and say, this is the doing of the Lord and it is marvelous in my sight. Therefore, when I'm doing something for God or saying something about God, there is no apology. I am a product of the mercy and the grace of God. As for hard work, I have no doubt that you have worked very hard. The beautiful thing, Peter said in Luke chapter 5, we have told all night and gotten nothing. That means that you can work very hard and get nothing. It is the grace of God that tops up your hard work. You work hard, but his grace covers you and protects you. So a spoken testimony must be declared. For many of us, I'm sure yesterday you were giving commentary on the football. Every single topic, social, sporting, political, you can talk about it with incredible dexterity, statistics, numbers, trends. When they say witness about what God has done for you, you say, you see, Pastor, I'm not very good at scriptures. How can you be better at who and who played yesterday? Inter Milan and Manchester City than about the Lord Jesus. What you have seen and what you have heard is all we need. You don't need any theology. Once I was blind and now 
I see. Don't ask me any difficult questions. I don't even know. All I know is that once I was blind, but now I see. Luke 9.26 says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. We must not be ashamed of the gospel unless you genuinely believe with all your heart that where you are is your own wisdom and your own strength. But you and I know that God's grace is our portion. The second is Andrew's testimony was a simple testimony. It wasn't very complex. We have found the Messiah simple relatable any child could understand it when we share christ in a simple way people can relate and can connect andrew showed us that you don't need to preach a full sermon to bring somebody to the lord we have found the messiah the messiah is the saint one Whoever you are, it means something to you when we say the sent one. That is your personal testimony. What have you heard? What have you seen? Somebody will say, if I was poor, the gospel of salvation was preached to me. And salvation is not just being born again as we typically understand it. It means redemption, forgiveness of sin, righteousness, health, peace, and joy. If you lost your job or somebody you love walked out on you and you found Christ, you say, I was broken hearted, but I found healing in Christ. If you were addicted to certain behaviors, and certain lifestyles, you say, I was oppressed, but he set me free. If you were blind, groping through life, unsure of where to go, and the light of Christ brought you direction, you say, once I was blind, and now I see. That is your message. That is the introducer's message. Once I was blind, and now I see. The good thing is that your friends know you. They know how you were. So when you say, before, I was confused, unsure, unhappy, but now I have joy unspeakable, you don't need to emphasize it because they know. They can see. In fact, they are already asking you, why are you different? Why are you so different from us? Why are you so calm? When all the world is panicking, you say, I have something, joy unspeakable in Christ. This is my story. This is my song. Oh, you didn't hear me. I said, this is my story. This is my song. You want to sing it?
Yeah. When we say this is my story, we simply are saying that, listen, it's not a very, very complex story. This is my story. And this is my song. Let's sing it together. very very important and let me pause here to see that if you look back at your life 10 years ago five years ago even that day last year I have been in an accident before and the first thing I, I said Albert are you alive I was asking myself are you alive because the airbags just went off and I'm like wow this could have just been it I don't know who I'm speaking to, but there's a time in your life when your back was against the wall, business not working, something just not happening, and you are asking yourself, will I come out of this? But somehow, mercy found you, and God navigated you out of a, a treacherous situation. Somebody betrayed you. People you trusted turned their back on you. Your testimony was slipping away. Your song was going away. Nothing seemed to be working. And you said, God, if you would just come through for me. You even felt it was too much to ask God to do because you didn't deserve it. But somehow, somehow, the mercy of God and the grace of God preserved you. Men gathered against you, stronger and mightier, more connected than you, fighting you and fighting your business. But somehow, 
God came through for you when you are singing the song and you remember the doctor that told you you will not make it one day a doctor, to, a doctor said to me your, your report is 10 times above the limit you know what let God be true and every man a liar the doctor said your report is 10 times above the limit three weeks later I was in the same consulting room and the doctor said miracles happen in this world I don't know about somebody in the service today but if this is your story and this is your song come on sing it this is this is my story this is this is my song I'll be praising praising my Savior all day this Celebrate the Lord. Please be seated. Andrew's testimony was a seamless testimony. When God sends you to talk to somebody, connect with them. When you join two things and the joint is not visible, you say it's a seamless connection. You say somehow when I met the person, it was seamless. We just flowed. The testimony must be seamless. Andrew could have said, we have found a great man. We have found a rabbi. We have found a powerful teacher. He says we have found a Messiah. He knew that Simon, like every Jew, was waiting for the Messiah. So once he mentioned Messiah, Simon jumped up and said, let's go. How do you speak to somebody about your testimony and get them to be interested? It must be easy to connect with, relatable. If you are speaking to somebody who feels unloved and rejected, tell them about Jesus who loved you and gave you a second chance in spite of your mistakes. If you are speaking to somebody whose football team disappoints them every week, Tell them about a dependable God who will never leave you and never fail you. All those saying amen, I know the team you support. <laughs> when you watch the ministry of Jesus, the approach with Zacchaeus was different. The approach with the woman of the world was different. The approach with Nicodemus was different. And in each of them, he connected to the person. In a language that they would understand may god give you wisdom 
may God give you utterance to say it in a simple way to somebody and that business person understands, that football person understands, that political person understands, and they will come to the house of the Lord with you. The third thing we see is the mission of Andrew. And that is the crux of our message. The Bible says he brought him to Jesus. I like that part. It means Andrew went and found Peter, literally held, come, come, come. So Andrew went and found, so I am Andrew, he is Simon. Andrew went and found, so sit down here as if you are sitting down. So Andrew went and found Simon and literally held him by the hand. So who is Jesus? <laughs> My missionary friend is Jesus. So he literally held him, held him by the hand and brought him to Jesus and said, okay, so, so this is my brother, this is my brother, Simon. And then the moment Jesus Christ saw him, he took over, but he held him by the hand and brought him. He didn't say, oh, there is a nice place called the house of God. I will recommend that you go there. He didn't casually send him a text and say, come to church. Yes, that was the beginning, but he literally went and held him by the hand and brought him. My, my Lord, you can sit down. <laughs> the critical thing about bringing somebody to the house of God is it requires a bit more commitment. Somehow, if you want to take somebody to watch a film at Silverbed, you go to their house and pick them. True or false? If you want to take somebody on a date at Oxford Street or wherever you go, you go and pick them. If you want to bring somebody to the house of God, please, Go and hold them by their hand and bring them. Tell somebody, bring them. Andrew's mission is bring. So for everyone who wants to help somebody, reach out with love to somebody, go and find the person and bring them. It will cost you, it will inconvenience you, but imagine that somebody you bring to the house of God one day stands on this stage and is singing and is singing and people are lifting up their hands and nobody even knows that you brought them to church but you are saying, thank God. One day, Andrew and Peter were standing together with Christ and Jesus Christ said, who do men say that I am? He said, oh, like Jeremiah, like this, like that. Then he said, and who do you yourself say that I am? There was a bit of confusion. Charlie, this thing, this man, we've been working with him. Who exactly is he? Even Peter, Simon, was standing there. Andrew, who brought him, was standing there. Then under divine inspiration, Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And that was the first time. And Jesus Christ said, correct for 100 marks. Andrew is standing there. Like that woman whose child got 13 prizes in a speech day. Uneducated single mother sells at the market. And they were calling the prizes. And they didn't call all 13. Secondary school, they would call prize for maths. Come and see how you come, then they clap. Prize for English, come then you come and they clap. And they were calling all the prizes. And this woman who hasn't gone to school crossed her legs with her relatives behind her. When they call Kwame, you say, whoa, what were falling? <laughs> we gave birth to him. 
you can celebrate him all 13 prizes, but me, as you are seeing me, I gave birth to him. That day when Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, Andrew said, whoa, when we were falling. We brought him. It is a beautiful thing. And then the other day, on the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up to preach and they are counting the converts 2,999, 3,000, and Andrew is sitting down watching. He said, this is my brother. I brought him to church. I'll do this again and again and again and again and again. May somebody that you reach out to in love change the world. May somebody that you bring in an ordinary way and say, oh, just come to church. Be that person that God will use to transform many people. God bless you. Please be seated. From now on, you have a new name. You are Peter. The final thing we see is the fourth message. And that is, Jesus will give them a new identity. Sometimes when you say, please share the love of Christ with somebody, you say, you know, I don't know what to say. But just tell them, I have found peace in Christ. I have found the Lord. Come to the house of God and you will find him too. The little you say, you bring them to the house of God and the exact question on their minds, somehow God preaches about that on that day and God answers the question. Bible says the moment Andrew introduced Peter to Christ and said, this is my brother Simon, Jesus said in John chapter 1, verse 42. Give it to me again. John 1, 42. He says, the whole world has called you Simon. Simon means a reed. Blown about by the wind. Simon also means unstable. I don't know his age, but what the Lord was saying is that throughout your life, you have not fully expressed your potential. You have been generally unstable. Every wind pushes you. Every force pushes you. Simon also means you have head. You have head. What the Lord was saying is that you have been unstable and you have prayed to the Lord to hear you. But today, today, the Lord has heard you. And from now onwards, instead of calling you an unstable man crying out to the Lord to hear you, you are Peter. And that means a stone. May somebody find a new identity in Christ. It doesn't matter how your life has been rugged, torn about, torn apart, disturbed by circumstances. In the house of the Lord, may you find the next level of your life, a new identity. Say the little that you can, and the Lord will do the rest. It's amazing how somebody can walk into the house of God and say, it's as if the message was all for me or about me. Did the pastor preach me? No. It was the Lord waiting for the person. And once the person arrived, the Lord, by his Holy Spirit, spoke in a way that will speak to one person here, one person here, one person here, and they all say, listen, this word, it was just for me. The Lord will do the rest. I said the Lord will do the rest. As I conclude today, how does the Lord see you? 
how does heaven see you when you are an introducer? How does heaven see you? Thank you. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, it says, Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever heaven sees you as a wise person when you reach out with the love of christ why because that is god's priority so when you do that and you become an introducer you become a partner with god almost like god's business partner every introducer is god's business partner and if you are god's business partner god is interested in you if you are god's business partner you must stay alive and strong and well because you protect god's business interest For everyone here, God is calling you to a special assignment as an introducer. The final scripture, Luke 15, verse 7. I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance when we gather in the house of the Lord and one person you have brought gives their lives to Christ it gives heaven even more joy than all the other thousand people who are here why because one more person has been added to God's kingdom it is a good thing to partner with God. The Bible says it's a wise thing. And to bring joy to heaven. As we close, I want to give you a commitment, a charge, a determination that every month, every single month of the year, you find one person and bring them to the Lord. It's a big commitment, but it's based on one thing, love. If it is based on duty, it will be meaningless. But if it's based on love, you'll be like the man who says, look, considering what God has done for me, you, don't, you can't tell me to tell. I'd rather proclaim. Set out a register. Every month, ask yourself, who have I brought to the house of the Lord? That is your new ministry. And that is the extension of the ministry of Christ. How many will avail yourself for God to use? To just reach out to somebody. Just tell them God loves them. You don't need to preach a full message. Just tell them. Let's bow down our heads as we pray. Say, help me, Lord. Somebody say, help me, Lord to be a true witness 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before I close today, if you are here and you want to give your life to Christ, you say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to be sure of my salvation. I want to live for Christ. And I want to go to heaven when I die. I want my life to reflect the light of Christ. If you are here like that and you say, Pastor, lead me to the Lord Jesus Christ that my life will never be the same again. Please lift up your right hand. Don't feel shy. Just lift up your hand. Wherever you are, lift up your right hand as we pray. You say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. With every head bowed down, lift up your hand wherever you are. God bless you. Anybody else, lift up your hand. God bless you. Don't feel shy. Just lift up your hand as we pray. You say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I want to live for you for the rest of my life. I want to surrender my life to you. Hallelujah. It's the most important prayer you can pray in your life. If you are here like that and you've lifted up your hand, I can see a number of hands lifted up. Just rise up wherever you are as you pray. Don't feel shy. It's, you are surrendering to Jesus and not to me. Amen. Amen. Please come to me so I pray with you if, I, if you can. Please come to me. Don't feel shy. This is my story. This is my Say after me, Heavenly Father. Let's say together, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of life. I recognize that I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. Wash me with the blood of Christ that was shed on Calvary. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and make me your own. I surrender to you. I surrender to you. I surrender to you, body, soul, and spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you.